0: Uh, as I study this, I, I mean, I've, I've studied Revelation before. I've studied through it, not super in-depth. I'm sure there's some of you in here who have studied this a lot more than I have. I go all the way back to middle school. Before I was even a Christian, I, I can remember riding on the bus talking with a friend of mine. Uh, we were reading, trying to read, as, as best as a seventh grader can read, The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. I can remember reading that and talking about it, and and we were trying to figure stuff out. Seventh grade, we don't we don't we don't know up from down, and we're trying to figure this stuff out. And I'm 54 now, and I'm still upside down trying to figure this out. Uh, What I will say is, as we work through this, um, I think as we're teaching through the way we do the way we're doing this, we're we're seeing things in different places, and 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 what's going to happen when we get to the end. I think what we're going to end up doing for a few weeks is putting all the pieces together. Everything that we're going through chapter by chapter and looking at, you know, we talked before we got into it, we talked a lot of preliminary stuff. We talked about Israel. We talked about Babylon and and those things, getting an idea of those. Well, then we're going to work through this. We're going to get to the end and then we'll come, come back and probably have a big, big picture and be able to lay some things out. And I can go ahead and tell you now, Next time I teach Revelation, I'll teach it totally different. I will have gone through it. I will looked at it a different way. And I'll teach it a totally different way next time. I won't teach different things, but I'll teach it in a different way. And that's that sometimes what happens is you figure out a better way to look at it. But um, when we look back at chapter 6, and I, I, I was reading something this week that said, as we, we look at chapter 6, when you get to that and you're looking at those, those seals that were broken... And we come here to chapter 7. Now, chapter 7 is what we would call a parenthetical chapter. All right. When I say parenthetical, it's in parentheses. It's, you know, sometimes you're reading along in a, in, a, in a story or something, and they insert parentheses because they want to talk about something that's not right in line with that sentence, or it, we want to throw another thought in here. So what you have with chapter 7 is it's not in line. In fact, we're going to go to chapter 8 to see the seventh seal open. We looked at the sixth seal last week. And that was at the end of chapter 6. We're going to go to chapter 8 before we see the next seal open. So there's this parenthesis here. And there's some things that the Holy Spirit wants us to hear at this point. I don't know why the Holy Spirit put them right here, but this is where He chose to put them. And it feels like there's this break in between, and and there is. So there's a parenthesis here. But what we, what we saw with the, the first part of this is you've gotten a 30,000 foot, and y'all know what I mean by that, right? How many of you have I mean, flown in an airplane? You get up to 30,000 feet, you see everything below you in a whole different perspective, you, know, you see cities, the whole city. You get a big view of cities. You get the view at night when you see multiple cities. or It's just amazing the view you get. And that's what we kind of got in chapter 6 is you get this flyover of all of the things that are going to happen. But you get, I mean, it's, it's a quick boom, 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 boom of what you're seeing. And now the, the details are going to start getting filled in. So we get here to chapter 7, and there, there's two things that we're going we're to learn about. Well, let me, just, let me just start here, and well, I'm going to go back to chapter 6, because in chapter 6, verse 12, and I had a couple of you actually text me and said, what were those verses that you recommended I go and read? And I think it was chapter, it was chapter 6, verses 12 through like 15. Now, I encourage you to go back and read. Take some time reading those. Think about it. Meditate on it. Um, and get a picture in your mind. You know, I've, I've shared with you, you should read in color. When you read the scriptures, you need to get, read in color, read it in 3D, read it, you know, I try to, these are people, all right? These aren't different people than than we are. These are people. They're human beings that we're, that, now we're seeing a whole lot of God and angels and demonic work. But when you're talking about the people on earth, we're seeing people and the things they're experiencing You can imagine if you're in that, you're going through that, what are you experiencing? What are you feeling? What are you you, thinking? It helps you to sometimes understand these verses and to personalize them more so that you, but you need to kind of get a mind's eye picture of these things and not just blow through it and go, yeah, 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 facts, 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 mom. Get a grip on it. So let's go back to verse 12 in chapter six. I looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sack sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Now I think what I share with you is one of the commentaries I was reading, he said, what you're looking at right there, it's a, it's a, it's a first century writers writing uh, of, a, of, a, of a nuclear holocaust. And when you, and you read that, you could, you could see that. Now, I don't know that that's what it is, but boy, you can sure see it. Um, the great earthquake, the sun has been blacked out. It, it's black. The moon is like blood. We've seen different times where the sky becomes different colors because of things that are in the air. I think I shared last time when Mount He St. Helens blew up Ash went, it took a couple of weeks, but ash went all around the globe from Mount St. Helens, over the entire globe. Uh, there, were, there were cities hundreds of miles away that it was like a blizzard with the ash that was falling on them. sky was completely black. So you start talking about an earthquake and these volcanoes that could happen. The stars, and it says, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth. And like, like figs dropping when the wind is shaking the tree. And if you've ever seen a fig tree, that can happen. They're getting kind of ripe. or a little early, though, and they fall off. And so it's just this picture of these things falling, but you see them falling. And we talked about that could have been, it could be a meteor shower that's coming in and hitting the earth and those kind of things. But also it could have been, as as one writer said, it could have been nuclear weapons with these satellites that can drop 20 warheads with a single They shoot out a bomb and boom, 20 warheads fan out and they're falling to the sky and you see them streaking through the sky and that's what John is seeing and he's writing in the language that he he knows. He doesn't know, oh, it's a thermonuclear warhead there. He doesn't doesn't have that. And then the sky receded as a scroll and we talked about how that, when you look at a, a nuclear weapon that blows up and how it comes out and you see the mushroom be- the blast begins and then everything blows out, and then as it comes back in, that's where so much of the destruction is even more so coming back in. And it comes in and is pushing up, and then the clouds are rolling as they go up, and you see the mushroom cloud. And it, 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 I mean, you can see this the cloud receded as a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. The whole earth is being shaken. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid them, every person. I mean, he's covered it all. Everybody, basically everybody on earth at this time then, hid themselves in the caves and in rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, they acknowledge, they acknowledge, they say it right here, from the, you know, fall on us. And hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. They know where this is coming from, and yet there's still a hardness in heart. They're begging the rocks to fall on them. They're not calling out to the Lamb, but they want to be hidden from the Lamb. You know, isn't that what sin does? Folks, think about it. even us as as believers. As a believer, when there's sin in our life, we will hide from God. And and people go, well, why do you bother us, preacher? Why do you care if I miss a Sunday or two? You know what? There's a lot of reasons. You you, you take a lump of, you you take a, have a fire, have a fire pit in your yard. Sometimes you have a fire or you've got a fireplace. You take one of them red hot coals and you look at it burning in there. You take a red hot coal out and you set it aside and see how long it stays red hot. It doesn't take long at all, and it'll, it'll begin to fade. And then the next thing you know, the coal will be over there, and it'll be black, and it'll be cold. It will, be, it will have lost its heat because it got away from the, from the fire, got away from the pit. You know, you get away from church just a week or two, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you go, man, you know, I, I, I enjoyed sleeping in. I enjoyed that. I, I think I'm going to do it a third week. And, and the next thing you know, you've, you've, you're into backsliding away from you to where now church isn't, it's not just a given that I'm going to get up and go to church. Folks, I don't think it's a religious thing to, it's not a religious thing to check the box. It's not, it shouldn't be. And if you come to church just to check the box and appease your conscience, you're coming for the wrong reason. But I'm, I'm going to just tell you in my life, whether I'm preaching that Sunday or I'm off on vacation, I'm in church on Sunday. There's not even a debate. I don't even wrestle in my mind, and I'm not patting myself on the back because I had that struggle years ago and I worked through that and I made a decision. I'm gonna be in church. Unless I'm just somewhere where I can't be, I'm gonna be in church because I need y'all. I need I need y'all, I need y'all to keep the fire hot in me. I need you and y'all to encourage me and to hold me accountable okay and and you want to encourage me somebody told me sunday said thank you for just preaching the word thank you for not being scared to speak the truth that fires me up that's what I, I that's what if 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 i'm if if what i speak encourages you i want to hear that i don't want to hear boy that was so eloquent i'll never hear that i'm from northeast georgia y'all aren't going to say boy that was boy that was so eloquent Big words? I mean, like macaroni is a big word for me, all right? So you ain't going to get a lot of big words from me. You're going to get p- cornbread cr- preaching. But we need that encouragement. I want you to, I need that. You need that. But here's the other thing that can happen. You go, preacher, you know, why, why, why does it matter if I'm here a Sunday or not? Well, maybe maybe there's something in your life that you need to, you need to be challenged on. Because you've gotten out of church. Because, well, I've gotten a little lazy. You know, I just didn't feel like getting ready to come to church. <coughs> Whatever. It, 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 but here's what happens. If we get sin in our life, we're going to start hiding. That's what they're doing. They're hiding. Adam and it started back in the garden. When Adam fell in sin, what did they do? Adam and Eve go to hiding. They go to covering up. All of a sudden now they realize, well, they never noticed they were naked before because there was no sin in their heart. It, was, it wasn't there. Now they, they realize this and they're trying to cover up and they're trying to hide from God like we can hide from God. man. what we need to do is, is what these folks here should have done. It, it, they realize that it's the wrath of God, judgment of God on their life. And what are they doing? They're hiding. And they're wanting the rocks to hide them and they're calling out to the rocks instead of calling out to the rock of ages. That's who they needed to call out to is the Lord Jesus and, and, and have him protect them and him, uh, save their soul. And then they wouldn't have to worry about any of that, but that's what's going on. And so we, we see that, 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 that this, that, that, that's where we're at. So verse 17 for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? So the sixth seal has been opened and the people of the earth tried to hide from God, asking Who would be able to survive God's judgment? And so there is a pause here between the opening of the sixth seal and the opening of the seventh seal. And judgment judgment halts for a brief time while God seals 144,000 Jews who will carry his image to the ends of the earth. Uh, Now, we're not specifically told here in the scriptures that we're going to read tonight. We're not specifically told that these Jews will be God's ambassadors, but we assume that 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 this is the reason that they are sealed, that the Lord seals these Jews. And um, um. And so we've already read of the the wrath that's coming. We just read that there at the end of chapter 6. So God brings a lull in the storm and He extends His mercy to Jews and Gentiles alike. And as we go through chapter 7, there's two groups that we're going to look at. Tonight, we're going to be looking at the sealed Jews... And then next week, if we get that far, we're going to look at the saved Gentiles, all right? So it's two different passages. So tonight, we're going to primarily focus on verses 1 through 8. So the sealed Jew, Jews, first, verse 1, after these things, after these things, it's talking about the things we just read in chapter 6. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Now, don't come to me and say, preacher, see, the earth is flat says right there, the four corners of the earth. Now, in that, as I was reading this week, I, I, I understand that there were those in those days that believed that. In those days. When John was writing that, there were some that would have believed that. They would have believed that there were that the earth was flat. There might have been four corners, but that's not what is, what is being said there. So the four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, Or on any tree. All right, now, who can tell me? I just had a thought. Um, If there's no wind, do the ocean waves cease? My understanding... So what causes the waves? I know the wind has a part in that. Nobody knows. Combination. Well, I I know... (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I was, I was hoping somebody here had the answer. So I, I had actually intended to look that up. But because uh, one writer said that the whole earth is going to be still. And he said because the winds aren't blowing, the ocean would be still. Now, the reason the ocean, if you go to the ocean on a day when the wind ain't blowing, the waves are real, real low, very small waves. When you go on a day... Um, like we were a week or so ago at the beach, and the wind was blowing pretty hard, and the waves are big. I mean, they're they're big. So the wind has like w- w- we don't, you know, w- you go down here to the river. I go across Forty Six, go across the river there. Some days when the wind's not blowing, it's as still as glass. But if the winds get up and it, there's there's weather moving in, that, you'll be big waves, choppy waves. So that I, I'm I'm that's why I asked. I didn't know if we had any astro. Physicist scientist in here that would know for sure. I know that our tides have to do with the, the moon and all, all of that stuff. But the thought being, then being if the wind's not blowing. Imagine though. Imagine the stillness here. Because there, there's no wind. They're holding back the wind. Literally physically holding back the wind. So there's no. The, the, weaves, the, the, the grass isn't moving. The, the trees aren't moving. There's, there's no wind on the river. It's like glass, and there's a stillness and a quiet. Then I saw another angel, another angel. So you got the four angels at the four corners. Now we have another angel. Again, I read this week, one guy says that that, that, that this angel is an angel from the east who's coming up. No, it's not. It says in verse 1 that he saw four angels. And he describes them where they are. Now he saw another angel. He didn't see one of the four angels. He saw another angel. So now we have a fifth angel. And he's ascending. Isn't that interesting? That word. He's ascending. He's not descending. It, now, I, I don't know where he's coming from. Uh, I, I'm reading a lot of them speculate that that the, the east. He's coming from the east. So th- they speculate that that's indicate, indicating you know, from Jerusalem. But Jerusalem's not always to the east, so I don't know how they get that. I don't know wh- why he's coming from the east, but he's coming from the east, and we have history, and I'll look at that. There's a lot of things that come from the east from the and are in times. Yeah, that, and the Lord's going to come back, and... Well, but we don't have any reason to, to know. I mean, that doesn't explain why he's coming from the east, though. I don't, I don't know why he would be coming from the east. No, I'm just saying with this angel. So he's ascending from the east and 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 but he's ascending. Now here's the other thought. Ascending means he's coming up. So as, as as this could very well just be a perception thing though. If you see an airplane from a long way away, at some point it comes into your you know it comes into the the horizon, right? And it's going to be at the very bottom, right at the ground. As it gets closer, what is it going to do? He rises. He may be at the same altitude the whole time, but it looks like he's rising. He's ascending. So as he gets closer, he, he's ascending. So it's, it may be a perception thing there. I don't know that any of that even matters but it, they, I think it does, but it's interesting that he's ascending because we think this fifth angel is coming down out of glory and, and descending down to the earth, wherever he is coming from. And it could very well be that he's coming from Jerusalem, but he's coming, this fifth angel now is coming from the east, having the seal of the living God, and, and, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels. There again, it's very clear in this verse, this isn't one of the four angels because he speaks with a loud voice to the four angels. Okay? So we've got a fifth angel here to whom it was granted to harm the earth. He's shouting to them who it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, "Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads." Now, it's interesting isn't it? We we always we always go when we start talking about end times, we talk about I, I, and we even had talk when people were getting vaccinated. This is this the mark of the beast? Folks, unless we miss the rapture, and it's, it's the rapture is post-tribulation, then we're not going to get the mark of the beast. We're not going to be here. So y'all can rest assured and relax. You're not going to have to get the mark of the beast. Unless you're lost, and you get left behind, and then you may have to face that decision. Okay? Because if you're left here, you're lost at that point. If you don't come to faith during that time, then there's going to be a time where you're going to have to take the mark of the beast. Um, but we, we often don't, people don't talk about the mark of the Lord. The Lord puts this mark. It is the mark, it's His seal that um, do no harm to the seas or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So the first thing that we see here is, again, the Apostle Paul is given a magnificent revelation of God's absolute control over all the factors of time and space. There is a calm in the midst of the storm. Imagine, just again, reflect on what we just saw. Now, if this is the right timeline, if this parent, the, the parenthesis right here, if this is just a kind of a, a stop in between the sixth and the seventh seal, as it is chronologically in the scriptures, we go from absolute chaos. You imagine this. These people are under the rock screaming and crying. And now there's absolute stillness. Stillness just stops. That might've been scarier than everything else, but this is the power of our God. We, we often forget that. You know, we, we understand the Jews in the, in the day back then when the wind blew, they said, God made the wind blow. When, when, when a storm came, God made the storm. When thunder clinked, God made the thunder. They just saw it that way, which is true, right? We see, it, we see it a little different though. We would go, all right, the barometric pressure changed and the pressure got lower here and the little pressure was higher here and that makes the wind flow a certain way. We can scientifically look at it and we understand. Both are true. God set up the, the dynamics of the earth. He did it. It's his setup. The reason the moon does what it does ain't because man's so smart and we wound it up just right. No, the moon does what it does because God set it up that way. And, and, it's, and it's on his schedule, on his time. Everything in his creation is functioning as he says. And right here, he says, stop. And what does it do? It stops. His, his creation, it listens. Our God just said stop. He is, we need to be reminded of that at times. When, when Gina found out she had a mass on her thyroid, it'd be easy to go into panic mode. Oh, it might be cancer. And we can go into all this panic and fret and worry. We weren't going to do that. Didn't do that. So I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust the God who can stop the wind, who can steal the storm, who can walk on the water. I'm going to trust Him. Folks, this ought to encourage you tonight. If you don't get anything else, you leave here going, my God can do whatever He wants to do. And the things in my life are little things. I don't care how big it is. What's the worst that can happen to me? Go ahead. Somebody say, you could die. That ain't the worst thing that could happen. It could be I live. You get it? Did you say that? Sometimes, it is. The worst thing sometimes is that you, folks, we'll pray for Daryl. And get my attention before we end because we want to pray for Daryl. And we want to pray God's will to be done in his life. Um, we're not, we're, you know, we'll, we, we, we often, you know, I've said this before, we sometimes, we, we're, we, we pray harder at keeping somebody out of heaven than we do at keeping somebody out of hell. And it's so often, it, 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 don't get me wrong, listen, I, I understand the love we have for people, we want them here with us, but I'm going to tell you as a believer, uh, if I'm laying there on life support, and they've said, you know what? He's probably not pulling out of this. Do not pray that I recover. Pray I go home. Pray I go. And then pray God's grace on Gina. Okay? But we've got to trust the Lord. Because the best thing that can happen is we just go on and be with Him. Amen. Anybody anybody in here, this life is just so stinking wonderful. You would hate to leave this for the glories of heaven. Boy, I, I want to stay here because, man... This dealing with, the, dealing with these psychos, these, these masked Nazis in the doctor's office, that's wonderful. I love that. It's one of my favorite things. Man, I wouldn't want to give that up and go be with the Lord. No. So the best thing that can happen, the best thing that can happen is we go get to be with him. That's what we want. We want to live our lives in faith. Boy, I got a couple that have shared their testimony of faith with me. And at some point I may ask them to share their testimony of faith. I mean, it's, it's incredible because we talk about faith and how much faith do I have and am I gonna trust God to handle the situation when it's totally out of my control? And, and sometimes we can't, but boy, I, I, this couple, they, they've, they've been through it. They've walked through the fire to the point of losing jobs and stuff. They said, we're gonna trust God in this and if that happens, we'll trust him. Folks, this is the God who can, he controls nature, he controls his creation, he controls time, all that. We can trust him. Hallelujah, amen. I ain't getting much teaching done tonight, but I'm having fun. Um, All right, four angels there in verse 2 who are active in the judgments And who hold in their hands further tempest of fury are restrained by a command of God. So God puts the command. He sent the angel to stop them um, because some of God's people must be sealed. Verse 3, before anything else can transpire. Uh, Before the end of the age actually arrives, a great persecution will bring the number of the martyrs to the necessary total. We go back to chapter 6, verse 11. It says, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer. These were the martyrs. These were the martyrs right there at the, at the throne of God. And it says, until the bo- till both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were. Was completed. So there in chapter 6, we got a view of martyrs. Those were tribulation martyrs. Those were not martyrs from before the rapture because they were, those those were all raptured up. That's the church. They were up there with, with the Lord, marriage, supper of the Lamb, all of that. Now, after the rapture, those that get saved, they're going to be martyred. They're going to be many, 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 many killed. They're going to be martyred, okay? And so there were already in chapter 6, verse 11, we see there are martyrs already there, but that's not the totality of the martyrs. There are others that are going to, going to be martyred. And so the, the, the verse there says, says that after these things, it refers to the tremendous judgment of the previous chapter, the riding of the four horsemen. And in this riding of the four horsemen, again, I, I said this, I believe that we're, we're given a bird's eye view, a 30,000 foot view of the, of the great tribulation period and an overall picture of how the details are going to, uh, th- those details are going to be given to us as we go. We've, we see the over the big picture, we got the big picture, now the details are going to fill in. And we're actually going to see this thing a couple of times move through of the, the way this progresses. And, and so it's like the Lord says, all right, I'm going to show it to you, well... Let's watch it again. Watch it again. It gives us another perspective of it. All right. That's how we'll move through this. So the winds of heaven speak of God's judgment, and the judgments here are specifically on the earth, sea, and green vegetation. And it may be, it may be that these four angels holding the four winds are also the angels who blow the, four, the, the first four trumpets for the judgments are similar. If you want to compare that, then compare what we saw in chapter 6 to uh, chapter 8, verses 6 through 12. And then the angel from the east, again, this is another angel, the fifth angel, he, he, angel, he holds the seal of God. And he's probably a, 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 a higher ranking angel uh, since he's given, he is giving orders to the other angels. So it's not like he's on the same level with them. It could be, but it does seem that he has, has rank over them and he's commanding them to hold, to wait. Don't do anything yet. Um, and, and if you you know you want to go and look, go back and read in the book of Daniel, and we see that, that there's a hierarchy with angels. Also in Ephesians, we see it that angels have rank like like the military, and and that's both for for angels that have not fallen and the angels who have fallen. So another angel who has the the uh, who has the um, the seal of the living God comes from the east. The final disaster comes from the east when the time of Armageddon arises. Okay, so that's another thing from the east. The Lord also comes from the east when he comes in his glory for uh, Matthew 24, 7. For, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So, the, so this writer in particular I was reading said that the east probably indicates the direction of Jerusalem. I don't, I don't really understand that because not everybody, Jerusalem isn't east for everyone. Not everyone is going to see that. And it's going to be out of the east. It certainly would be for us. Um, but not for everyone. So the, sign, the seal here signifies possession and protection. So as, as this angel is coming with the seal of the Lord, we're going to talk about that seal in a minute, but it comes with a seal, and this seal signifies possession and protection. Uh, if, you, if you want to make a note for Revelation 9.4, 9.4 says, they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And in fact, uh, f- from the command given to these four angels to wait, we don't see where they act again until Revelation 9-4. And that's where we see the four acting there. Now, we understand a sealing in, 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 in salvation. You know, the Christian is sealed by the Holy Spirit. When, when we are born again, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. in Ephesians chapter 1 um, Verses thirteen and fourteen. I'll read those in a minute. But according to Revelation chapter fourteen, verses one through five, the servants marked with the seal are those who have kept themselves pure, followed the Lamb, been purchased by God, and been offered as first fruits. Revelation fourteen one. Then I looked, and behold, a Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him one hundred and forty four thousand having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the living, uh, the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 were, who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women for they are virgins these are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These, are, these were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So we're, we're seeing these again, this 144,000 later on. Now when we talk about the seal, the seal that the angel has with him differs from the seven seals on the scroll that the lamb has been opening. Now, It's it's it's, it would be similar in the sense that the seal on the scroll, the picture I have in my mind and you probably do as well is a scroll rolled up and wax is melted on it. As we would think in those Roman times was in the same time That's in the Roman times, they would have done this. They would have had a seal or the 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 emperor would have had the signet ring or there was something that was his. They would know that was his They'd melt the wax on there, seal it up, melt the wax on there, and they'd stamp it with that seal. And it's this kind of a seal. It has his mark on it. And so when... when, um, So God is going to place, or he places his own seal on his followers, identifying them as his own and guaranteeing his protection over their souls. Now we're going to look at the 144,000 of the Jews and we'll understand who they are and we're going to learn who the, the redeemed are and, and we're going to learn who these are sealed. But the, when the Lord seals them, there's protection there. They're His. We're His. We've been sealed today. We're His. And I, I fully believe this. I just, I, I know this. I know that the, the, the scriptures say that the, the, the sun shines on the just and the unjust. It rains on the just and the unjust, Right. We know that. Um, People go, Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, sometimes the Lord allows those things to happen to us. Sometimes the Lord brings those things. But God is never absent in what goes on in in our lives. Uh, The child of God is never outside his watchful eye. He may allow something in your life and you go, Why would he do that? You know, think think about your lives. Think about the, um, the times in your life when you've grown the most. Is it the, is it the wonderful? You know, I grew the most spiritually. I, I had the most spiritual growth that week that we, we did our anniversary trip. We went on that cruise and I ate like a pig at the buffet for three, three times, five times a day. You know, we laid by the pool. And we went sc- uh, scuba diving, and we went to the Mayan ruins. I mean, that was, spiritually, I grew so much that week. Said nobody. Right? That's not when we grow. But if you go back and you look, Henry doesn't talk about a vacation he took. Henry will tell you in his testimony, he'll talk about Key West, Florida. But it ain't why you think. Why is it, Henry? What would you talk about? What happened? Yeah, you talk about what happened. And how God used it, and when you hit rock bottom, you'll remember that. When God turns things around in your life, that's what you remember. Amen. see, we, we we get we get caught up, I think, thinking, man, they, they, all the, the the great things. No, we're, we're gonna, we're we're not always promised everything. It ain't butterflies and unicorns, folks. It improves your faith genuinely. Oh, it it does. It, it you know. It'll it'll prove your faith. Will it prove your faith, Haskins family? When we'll it proves your faith, it'll try it, it'll reveal it, it'll, it'll bring it, uh, and it'll grow it, all of those. But boy, if you're fake, you're fake and you go through some real tribulation, if you ain't really grounded on the Lord, you, you'll, you'll wash out. It, it'll prove it. It'll strengthen it. And when you, and when you take, uh, it's like we were talking tonight, when you take a step of faith, man, it's hard. It's hard. Sometimes that first step, can you imagine... It doesn't seem like it was hard for Peter, though. When Peter said, Lord, I wonder what went through his mind when he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you. He didn't say, you know, teleport me to you or fly me over to you. He said, Lord, bid me come to you on the water. So Peter was asking the Lord. He was, he was challenging the Lord to challenge him to walk on water. And the Lord said, all right, big boy, come on. Come on. And what did Peter do? I, I don't know what I know what he did, but I don't know what he thought between that and that. He might have went, <gasps> but it seems like when the Lord said, Come, Peter just jumped out and got on water and got going. But you take that first step. Folks, there's a lot of times where that first step of faith, and it may be as simple as helping in children's ministry. It may be as simple as showing up to prayer band. It may be as simple as, you know what? I'm going to commit to tithing. I don't know how God's going to do it with my money, but I'm going to, by faith, I'm going to trust Him. And you know what? That first step. And you know what God always does? If God challenges us to do something and we do it, He trips us up so we fall flat on our face. Not. If He challenges you and He says, follow me, then when we follow Him, It's going to be there. How many of you have ever seen the second best movie ever made? The second best movie ever made? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. (laughs) Second best movie. Second best movie. The greatest one is The Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Best movie ever made. Top two right there. There's a place in there where he has to take a leap from the lion's head. And where he stands, there's this great chasm and all he can see is just there's no bottom. But he, it is, he, he, the book says he's got to take a leap of faith. He's got to step out by faith where there's nothing there. He can't see it. There's nothing there. And he takes that step. And when he does, now the perspective is different. And he can see that there's actually a walkway there that was right here. It was so blended perfectly, you couldn't see it. But he takes that step, and he's there, and he's on the walk. And now he can see it. Man, sometimes for us, it's that taking that step of faith because God's there and He, and, oh, and you know what it does? It grows your faith. The next step's easier. And then the next step's easier. And then you know what? You're walking a life of faith. And the stuff that used to be so difficult and so challenging to you in your faith, and it's not anymore. Walk by faith, He's going to protect us. And ultimately, the protection is this. When I say, I say, well, the Lord's going to protect me. He's going to watch over me. But preacher, you know, here you are, preacher. You got hit by a truck. I thought you said the Lord would protect you. Yeah, he did, because I'm going to be with him. So he's going to protect me, ultimately. That's what it's all about, not this. This is preparation. This is our... This is is school. This is learning and growing to be like Jesus as much as we can. So when we go there for eternity, we've learned here how to live there. It's faith. He's going to protect us. Ain't none of us, if we're born again and we've been sealed, He's not going to lose one of us. Amen. Here, the seal that the angel put on the believer's foreheads was the name of the Lamb and his uh, and and his father's name. We see that in, in chapter uh, fourteen, verse one. Again, I uh, just read that a while ago. Then, then I looked and behold, a Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and him and with him one hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's even going to be visible. Um, it, it's, it says what it says. So I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's you know, we talk about the mark of the beast. We talk about the, you know, the speculation used to be it was going to be a 666 six, six on your forehead or on your hand. Um, I, I think now we would say we probably don't think that's the way that's going to be. It might be some chip that's put in or, or some some... Something they put on your forehead. You know, you, they used to do these things that stamp your hand, and you can't. You go to the fair, and they stamp your hand, and then you put it under the ultraviolet. light. You can't see it unless it's under the ultraviolet light. It could be. It could be any of those things. But the Lord's going to seal us. He's going to seal them, and uh, and then we know that this seal would be counterfeited by Satan. When you go and read in chapter thirteen, verses sixteen and seventeen, and that's where we we read about the mark of the beast. Verse sixteen. Uh, chapter 13, verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And the number of, uh, boy, we got a lot going on. Heard one go that way, one go this way. All right. Hope everything's all right. Um, And it's these two marks. These two marks separate the people that are on the earth at that time into two distinct categories. Those owned by God or those owned by Satan. Uh, You can read Ezekiel chapter 9 verses 4 through 7. And it records God sending a divine messenger through Jerusalem to mark the foreheads of those who still worship the one true God. That's a a passage you can reference and see the similarities there. Um, Again, the Christian is sealed by the Holy Spirit at salvation. We mentioned that a while ago in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. The Holy Spirit of God seals us. When we're born again, when you truly come into faith. Now, if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God, then you, you haven't come into faith. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not, you're not a born-again believer if, you've not, if you do not have the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 here in Ephesians 1. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed in, in Christ here, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We are sealed. We are sealed. And this sealing happens the instant the sinner trusts Christ and ensures the believer of eternal life and an inheritance in heaven. And the sealing angel commands the angels of the wind to hold back their judgment until his servants have been sealed and thus protected from the judgment to come. Um there are there are other angels that that have rule over nature. So we we looking at the angels right here. There's also angels of fire in chapter fourteen eighteen. We see there's angels over water verses sixteen or chapter sixteen verse five, and uh, these are special ministers, God's ministers, who supervise the activities of nature. So it's interesting. God's got he's got angels out and. Out, and out in the far reaches of the galaxy. There are, there are angels that are over things here. There are angels watching over us and, and working around us all the time. There's these things going on. Um, 740. All right. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop right there because if I don't, I'm going to get in the middle of it and it's not going to make any sense next week. So we're going to stop right there and we're going to get right into the 144,000 uh, right right at that point next week. We'll pick up right there.